Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 784 of the Juicebox podcast. This is another episode in the Bold Beginning series, and I, I'm so confused at this point. Not that <laughs> it's not something good to admit to you, but. I wanted this to be the last episode of Bold Beginnings, but I think there's going to be some more. So I'm not certain. I have to go back and look at my list and confer with Jenny and do a couple of other things. But for now, this episode of Bold Beginnings is not with me and Jenny. It's with me and Sam. And Sam is here to talk to you about insurance. I know that is not exciting, but you need to understand all of the varied ways that your health insurance works, is impacted, how you can make it work for you, and Sam's going to walk you through a lot of it right now. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. Today's podcast is also sponsored by the InPen from Medtronic Diabetes. If you're looking for some of the functionality that you get with an insulin pump, but you don't want an insulin pump, you can get that with the InPen from Medtronic Diabetes. Learn more at InPen today. Dot com. Okay, so let's start like this. Don't say anything yet, okay? Got it. Oh, now you said something. It's too oh. <laughs> Anyway, this is Sam. Sam, you want to be called Sam or Samantha? It doesn't matter. Okay, well, then I'm going to call you Sam. Perfect. <laughs> Why, people might be wondering, have I been listening to this Bold Beginning series for umpteen episodes and uh, Scott comes on, and then that lovely woman from Wisconsin comes on, and they, they talk about diabetes, and now today it's Sam. Why is that? Well, it's an interesting question, and I have a specific answer. Today we're going to talk about insurance. For newly diagnosed people, some of the hurdles that they're going to run into answer some questions that people have had and sent in to me. But Jenny and I were talking privately, and I said, Jenny, I think I know a person who's better for this conversation than you. Are you offended? And she said, no, not at all. And I was like, oh, okay, good. <laughs> so, Sam, what episode of the podcast were you on a long time oh, ago? Oh, boy, you know? now I'm being put on the spot. It was episode 61, 62, somewhere in there. I believe it's 61. Wow. Okay. It's, it's been a while. <laughs> oh, wow. That's the first year. Yes, it was uh, 2016, I want to say. Well, the second year, but but probably within 12 months of me beginning. Uh, let's give people the tiniest bit of background, actually, and and give you your credit because thank you. Yeah, so do pe I wonder if people? No, there's no way no one's anyone's going to know this but me. But you're the entire reason that I'm a well received diabetes speaker. <laughs> well, um, that was kind of a mutual um, benefit because you know once you kind of hear what you have going on, it was kind of a no brainer for me to think about bringing you in as a speaker for the conference that we have down in Orlando, uh, Touched by Type 1. So uh, we were thrilled when you agreed to be part of our conference series. And uh, luckily for you, I think it spread around and a lot of other people decided they wanted you to. But it was, but it's seriously, so you're, so you're the mom of a, of a girl with type 1, right? Yes. So she's currently 11. She was diagnosed at 22 months old. So we're um, rounding into our 10th year. Okay. And you donate your time to Touch by Type 1. That's correct. I'm actually a uh, board member at this point, but I definitely do a lot of volunteer work for them as well. Wow. What, what's the difference between like doing the work and being a board member? Uh, it, it just comes with the fancy title and I have actual responsibilities. <laughs> <laughs> so instead of, we hope Sam might do this, we, we, it's, we've told Sam to do this and she's going to get it done. Yes. So I have different chairs. I'm actually the advocacy chair for Touch by Type 1, as well as the golf chair. We have a golf tournament now yearly, and I'm co-chair for Casino. 
uh, fundraiser that we do. Oh, okay. Well, I appreciate it because you should know that while you were going to bat for me and being like, hey, I think we should let this guy speak at the conference, I was taking that very seriously up here. And um, I was very uh, touched by it because it had been a, it was one of those things where I, I kept thinking, like, I wonder why nobody's asking me to speak at things. Pretty good at this, you know, and uh, and it just wasn't happening. So the big the big ones weren't weren't calling, and you guys did. I had such a wonderful time. I've been I've been at every Touch by Type One event. Have I not? Yes, you have. Wow. Well, every conference, I should say. Conference, yeah. No, well, please, yeah. I'm not at the golf thing. Don't look for me there. <laughs> I can't be flying to Florida every five seconds, but um, right. but every conference that and they've gotten. Well, I I I, I can't say they've gotten better because they've been well run and lovely from the get-go but they have gotten bigger and bigger yes yeah really really beautiful so anyway thank you for tapping me and and i'm glad i didn't let you down because i think now that we've (laughs) all known me longer it's probably a bad decision on your part right (laughs) we can't get rid of you now (laughs) anyway so so when this idea of insurance comes up i think i don't know anyone more capable like in a regular just a regular person you know what i mean like more capable of answering these questions than you you just have a knack for it you're a you're a savant around this for i i don't even know why i'll let you i'll give it like give everybody just a, a little bit of detail about why you find yourself so tuned into this Yes. So um, in my previous life, as I like to call it, before I had kids, I was an office manager for a medical office that dealt with multiple forms of insurance. So, you know, we were pretty much trained on how to look at two sides of insurance and figure out where the benefit should go. So that kind of set it up perfectly for this whole pharmacy versus DME situation that everyone finds themselves in. And the other part of it was learning how to appeal properly. So once that started and I started seeing the struggle in the community from people who were going through the same thing and I was experiencing it myself, you know, the whole wait six months before you can get a pump. Um, I really kind of jumped into this whole appeal process. And then throughout the years, just the the different questions that people would come to me with, um, you know, it wasn't always something that was actually denied. A lot of times it just was them not understanding how their insurance worked or not being able to find the, uh, the particular answer based on what they knew how to research for their insurance. Mm-hmm. So it, I would say like 50% of people coming to me for help actually didn't need an appeal. They were able to solve it through other means a lot quicker and a lot easier. So um, just throughout that experience, it's really become um, my, the way my brain works is I, I have a hard time forgetting certain things. So it just kind of like adds on, but I, I will have the disclaimer. I'm not an insurance salesperson. If there's something that uh, is not true for your state, um, I am here in Florida. So what might be true for my state, you know, just don't, don't hang me on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, don't worry. No, nothing you hear on the juice box podcast should be considered advice, medical exactly. or, or otherwise. <laughs> this is the otherwise right here. This is the otherwise. Yeah. But, but any, I, I would believe that anything you're going to say would at least be a good breadcrumb to get started. So is it, exactly. is it accurate to say that none of us, none of us understand our insurance that well, because it's, it's set up so that we have a hard time understanding it? It, it is definitely one of those things where they pretend they give you a lot of information without giving you information. <laughs> um, they are going to be obviously covering a, a wider amount of items. You know, there there's a ton of other health conditions out there, a ton of other medicines out there. So they kind of give you like the here here's exactly what we'll pay for, but there's all of these policy guidelines and stipulations, and that's going to be buried on a website that's really hard to get to, but you think you've got the coverage for it. So um, yeah, they're, they kind of like hide the fine print. And especially with open enrollment, um, when it's a little bit even harder to get into all of those uh, documents that you might need, um, it, it becomes really frustrating sometimes. But um, you know, I think the best that we can do is you know, do as much research as we can find and, you know, kind of make your assessment there. And, uh, you know, if it's, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I, is it sometimes just the, 
is it that we're asking the wrong questions? I used to, may I for a minute, I, I, I hate to throw out my little brother right under the bus, but my youngest brother was quite the schemer. And uh, one year, Sam, my mom bought a, a Carvel ice cream cake for my other brother's birthday. And in the center of it was a, a picture of a hockey player. And we came home one day at my house. Uh, the rule is, uh, you know, you get a birthday cake. Everybody has some. And then whatever's left is yours. And you can eat it as you want, give it away, whatever. But it's yours to deal with. So my brother comes home one day to have a piece of his birthday cake. And um, the hockey player is hacked out of the center of the cake, uh, inartfully, may I say. And uh, my brother's, of course, like, hey, what What the hell happened? So he turns to me. He's like, did you eat my, my cake? And I said, it, it wasn't me. I'm sorry. And so he goes to my younger brother, our younger brother, and he says, did you eat my cake? And my brother says, no. <laughs> and that was it. So my brother asks, like, he looks at me, are you sure? And I'm older and sort of like, I'm almost their dad, to be perfectly honest, even though I'm like 15 at the time. And so he doesn't distrust me. He turns back to Rob and he goes, come on, man, did you eat my cake? And my brother goes, no. And this goes on for quite some time. And finally, I went, wait, 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 wait. And I go, Rob, do you know who ate the cake? And he goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> so my brother asked, did you eat the cake? And my brother on it, my other brother honestly answered no. And sometimes I think that's what this insurance game is. It's like you're not you, asking the right question. Yeah, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta ask the right question because it, it feels like they gave you a puzzle and said, if you put this puzzle together, you get an insulin pump. And then they take three pieces of the puzzle and stick it in their pocket. And, and then they go, I don't know. Listen, fair is fair. You can have the pump, just put the puzzle together. And, and so how do you, but that's incredibly frustrating because unlike my brother and the and the ice cream cake, I don't know all of the I don't know all of the pieces. Do you know what I mean? Like I know they exist, but I don't know where they are. And you have this this kind of you know intuitive knowledge because of what you've been doing for so long. But how are you know what? Let's answer. Let's ask some of the people's questions, and we'll see yeah, how definitely. this goes. Okay. So everybody knows Bold Beginnings is a series of input from the listeners. When uh, I said, what do you wish you would have known when you were first diagnosed? And this is what we got for insurance. Do you listen to this series by any chance, Sam? Uh, I don't tend to lean towards the bold beginnings just because we've been Added going through time. it for so long. But <laughs> well, then, then this is going to be a surprise for you how this goes. Perfect. <laughs> so the first person just makes a statement. Navigating insurance is huge. That we know. That's a whole, that's, you got a couple hours for me on that one. <laughs> it's the whole thing, right? It's just, the it's, whole thing. it becomes a really... Well, in the beginning, it feels like it's a very big part of your life. It is, absolutely, because that's usually the panic sets in of, oh my gosh, you know, I'm newly diagnosed or I have a child who's newly diagnosed. And then the second thing is always, how are we going to afford this? So it's, um, you know, with, with luck, they have insurance at the time that they were diagnosed. But if they don't, then, you know, it's generally they're going to quickly get it or try to find better insurance. Mm. Yeah, so the first question here is, how do you navigate insurance to find the best coverage for insulin and supplies? So we'll start with that. Let's put ourselves in, in open enrollment or we just got a new job and they're like, here are three insurance options. What are you looking for? So generally with insulin and supplies. So the first thing I, I kind of like forewarn people with insulin is that people get very brand specific very quickly. Um, you know, it, it's kind of a built in loyalty because that's what their doctor's prescribing, but generally you want to look at what's on the formulary. Uh, the formulary is kind of like your, your go-to and most people can use um, different insulins that are on the formulary versus what the doctor originally prescribed without uh, complication. You know, some people have better reactions to certain insulins or they might be allergic to uh, uh, one of the stabilizers in the insulins and that would be a necessitating reason to go to something off formulary. But for most people, you know, they're looking for insulin coverage in general, a long acting and a short acting or a short acting. Um, same with supplies. You know, it, it's pretty, most, most insurance companies are going to cover something. Um, it, it's usually a law in their state that requires a base amount of coverage. Most states have that law. 
that insurances are required to cover certain things. Um, they just don't specify what brand. Okay. So as far as best coverage, it really comes down to them. What's the cost of things. And that's really where finding the formulary with the insurance that you're looking at is key because even though, um, you know, I was talking about how open enrollment can kind of take things and make it a little bit harder because you don't have as much access generally, unless it's, um, you know, a self-insured plan, which is where a large company basically pays for their own um, policy to be managed by an outside company. But at the end of the day, they're paying all of the, uh, the costs of, of the patient's uh, medications and their, you know, surgeries and everything, unless it's a self-insured plan, most of the time you can find those formularies um, either the current one, so you get an idea of what they're covering, or um, depending on what time of year it is, they'll release the 20, for us, we're in 2022, so you'll start seeing the 2023 formularies come out. Okay. So, Sam, um, do me a favor. Try not to touch that microphone on the cable, okay? Yes, if sorry. And if your hair is brushing it, move it away. Um, okay, so first step, we ask, can I see the formulary so I can see if the things, <clears throat> excuse me, so I can see if the things that I need are on there. Exactly. But if I'm newly diagnosed, I don't know what the things are that I need. So th this is a great time to say for people, you're looking for, like Sam said, insulin first, uh, long acting, short acting insulin, more um, modern insulins like Traceba over Lantus, for example, for your basal. You're mm -hmm. also looking to see, do, does the plan cover um, uh, insulin pumps, continuous glucose monitors, test strips, those sorts of things are those XCOM, Libre, those things on the formulary are really big um, indicator of how later you'll proceed in getting those covered. So when you're looking at your formulary, does it list the Dexcom G6 or, you know, in the future, the G7, does it list the Libre 2 or the Libre 3? Um, if you're seeing those items on the formulary before you even sign up for the plan, that's a good indicator that you will be able to get that through the pharmacy channel rather than having to go the DME side. When you have diabetes and use insulin, low blood sugar can happen when you don't expect it. Gvoke Hypopen is a ready-to-use glucagon option that can treat very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes ages 2 and above. Find out more. Go to gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. Gvoke shouldn't be used in patients with pheochromocytoma or insulinoma. Visit gvokeglucagon.com slash risk. I'm going to share just a bit of a note that I got from somebody with you. This person says, this podcast gave me my life back and told me about InPen. My insurance covered it 100%, and it's amazing. Just the insulin onboard feature alone is a game changer. But I'm going to tell you a little more about what InPen does. So InPen is an insulin pen that pairs up with an app on your phone. This app shows you a dosing calculator, active insulin remaining, glucose history, reports, activity logs, dose history, meal history, and your current glucose level. This person I was just talking about ended up getting it for free through their insurance. But even if your insurance doesn't cover it, it's possible that InPen will cost you as low as $35. That's because Medtronic Diabetes doesn't want cost to be a roadblock to you getting the therapy you need. So with the InPen Access Program, you could pay as little as $35. Offer is available to people with commercial insurance. Terms and conditions apply. You'll learn more at inpentoday.com. While you're there, you'll also see pictures of the pen, uh, see the app. You can learn about the 24-hour technical support they offer, hands-on product training, and online educational resources. The InPen is a great way to get some of the functionality that you're missing by not having an insulin pump. So if you're MDI and you're using a pen, you might as well use the InPen because it does all this. Check it out at InPenToday.com. InPen requires a prescription and settings from your healthcare provider. You must use proper settings and follow the instructions as directed, or you could experience high or low glucose levels. For more safety information, once again, you can visit InPenToday.com. I'm going to get you back to Sam now, and we're going to use more words like durable medical and other fun things like that about insurance. I know this is boring, but you'd need to know this. And Sam is delightful, so that helps. Durable medical equipment, DME. 
And a lot of the stuff now, people, you know, old timey people like you and I know that like insulin pumps and continuous glucose monitors uh, used to be strictly durable medical equipment. And now um, I guess you can, I get Omnipod through a pharmacy channel. I get Dexcom through a pharmacy channel too, don't I? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so definitely Omnipod is generally this day and age going to be through pharmacy. That's how they've decided to set up their uh, distribution. Um, there's the old style Omnipod, of course, through DME, but the, the newer stuff is definitely through pharmacy for mm-hmm. the most part. Um, Dexcom is about 50-50 at this point on whether it's going to go through DME or pharmacy. And sometimes you have the option of either um, a choice. You know, okay. and that's really important as far as cost savings, because if you've been doing DME and you're subject to a deductible and you're paying, you know, hundreds of dollars out of pocket to get this product that's going towards your deductible, if it's added to your formulary, and I will I will preface this, formularies can change throughout the year. So things can get added and taken off um, during uh, a, a year. So, you you know, I, I hate to discourage somebody, but it's also a pro that when new things are added, you get that access to them. So if something suddenly becomes a $40 copay, you're going to be saving a lot of money by switching to the pharmacy side. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but back to the initial idea of I'm trying to choose an insurance. So I, I call the, just the 888 number on the back of my card and I say, I need the formulary. I'm think I'm picking through, but I guess if you haven't chosen yet and you're stuck with you the, haven't your, chosen. Your so, like person. I said, generally online is going to be your friend. Um, what, what a lot of times I'll do is I'll type in the insurance and always put the state because it does vary by state. Um, so I'll say for instance, Aetna, Florida, um, uh, policy guidelines. And then I'll put CGM or insulin pump. So if I want to know what are the restrictions on getting an insulin pump or a CGM um, before I choose that, that will pop it up. Or I'll say, you know, Aetna, Formulary, Florida, um, open access uh, point of service. And that will pop up at least this year's. So I have an understanding of what they're covering currently. So this is a situation that is seriously, it's on you. Right. Like the, no one's going to come help you with this. It is, yeah. you know, you, if you've got a really great HR, um, you know, or a really great insurance broker, then, you know, they can kind of do some of this field work for you, but, you know, keep in mind during open enrollment, you, you and everybody else attached to them is probably asking, you know, a million questions. So even then, you know, it's not always, you know, the most thorough thing or, um, the most timely, for whenever you're trying to make your decision. So, you know, really online, they've they've produced a lot of information online. You just have to know how to get to it. Okay. All right. So do you, you have, to, it sucks because too, yes. think back, you, you, when your daughter was diagnosed, you worked in that office. Uh, I had actually just left um, about a year and a half prior so, so you still had the knowledge, but I'm trying to yes. put myself in the position of somebody who's like, I work at a ball bearing factory and now my kid has <laughs> diabetes and I have to go do this thing. Like, you knew, I mean, people with diabetes are lucky that you, that you, uh, that you share your knowledge because it's, it's not, it's a, it's a specific thing that you had this information in your head already when, when you came to need it. Okay. So, um, so we're looking for coverage for things that you think you might need. We're looking for I mean, I imagine, too, you have to see about your deductibles, your out-of-pocket, to see how much you're going to have to pay in cash every year before you even get to your insurance. Yes, um, and let's let's take a moment to kind of explain that because that is a question that comes up a lot is, you know, what is what is a deductible? What is a coinsurance? What is, you know, the out-of-pocket? And um, how does this apply to our situation? So what you always look at is um, when you're looking at the different policies, it'll it'll explain, is this a copay? or is a subject to a deductible. So if it is subject to the deductible, say it's $3,000, that means for anything in that category, such as inpatient, outpatient, um, sometimes it's DME, you will be paying the first $3,000 of those costs. So that is before any other portion of your insurance kicks in. And then after that, if there's a co-insurance listed, say 30%, 20%, whatever that is, then whatever that charges after the $3,000, say, you know, you're up for your next order or, you know, you're getting an insulin pump and it's $5,000, you're paying your first $3,000 and there's $2,000 left and it's a 20% coinsurance, then you're saying $2,000 times 20%. 
you know, that's an, another $400 added to the first 3000. So you would owe $3,400 for that insulin pump. Um, but after that, for the rest of the year, you're only paying 20% of those supplies until you hit your out-of-pocket max. So out-of-pocket max is kind of like the all-in cost and not including the premiums, but the all-in cost of your out-of-pocket expenses um, using your health insurance. Oh, yeah. I've just jumped out a window, Sam. <laughs> I was like, oh, good luck, everybody. I got to go. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know. I'm like, oh, man, it, it gets granular um, talking about it. But, you know, it's important to understand what those things are because it does get complicated. You know, what is coinsurance versus a copay versus all of these different things, um, especially when you're trying to calculate. So, you know, kind of going back into it's not necessarily navigating the insurance to find the best coverage, but it lends to uh, finding the best monetary value. And I always say, do a spreadsheet. So, you know, if you've got like three or four plans that you're trying to narrow it down, I look at, okay, what is, what are those copays? What are those um, expenses? And if I were to go in the hospital this year versus having a, a typical year without a hospitalization, you know, what's kind of like my worst case scenario and how much does that premium cost versus a premium for, you know, just your regular maintenance year Mm -hmm. um, with nothing happening. And what is your risk factor? What are you willing to risk in order to have, you know, more money in your pocket on a monthly occasion, but put per chance, you know, risking that if you were to be hospitalized, it has a larger deductible. Um, so, you know, some of this is very individual and what you are willing to risk as far as saving money and finding that insurance. Um, you know, if you're not sure, you know, how your hospital risk is in the first year, because you're just diagnosed and you're still getting handled, you know, you might want to go a less risk, you know, maybe a little bit more expensive plan that doesn't have as high of a deductible or no deductible. Mm -hmm. um, but then as you kind of get a grasp of how your child or yourself is reacting with all of these um, variables, you know, how do they react with, you know, sickness or, you know, they broke their leg or whatever, you know, if they're very, um, rough and tumble child, then, you know, you're always in the ER, you don't want something with a high deductible plan, <laughs> but, you know, cause there's other things besides just diabetes, of right. course. No. But. Oh, is there? I, I, yeah. I, don't, I, don't. <laughs> I know it kind of seems like, you yeah. know, this is all over focus, but I don't know about the rest of you, but I always enjoy the phone call in February where you're ordering something and the person says, well, if you've met your deductible and I go, Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> met my deductible on January 1st, but thank you very much. I appreciate, appreciate your concern about whether or not I met my deductible. Um, all right, here's the question. Uh, when insurance is being difficult, this person says, skip the bullcrap of calling them and jump right to your human resources department at work if you have one at work. It has saved me time and also gotten me answers that I wanted uh, because the poor person on the other end of the phone at the insurance company is just doing what they're told and reading out of a manual. So... Do you find that every HR department knows what they're talking about and will be helpful? Um, I would say no. <laughs> I would definitely say um, there's definitely been a lot of feedback across the board with various companies and various sized companies that certain HRs are a lot more dependable than others. Um, you know, it, you're relying on the HR person to actually know what they're talking about with insurance. And, you know, if you have somebody who isn't as enthusiastic about finding those answers or really understand anything about diabetes to, um, you know, if they're getting pushback from the insurance company to really go into it and, you know, hammer down those fine details, they might just be coming back with the same answers that you're getting. So, you know, it, it, the quality definitely varies, but it's not to say that it's a waste of time. Because you won't know until you try, of course. Yeah. So maybe you'll get lucky and you'll have a great HR department like the person who sent in this this idea. Uh, and maybe you'll walk in there and find people who are just as confused as you are. So Yes. Um, and of course, you know, HR is another thing. You know, if you're finding restrictions, sometimes if it's a, especially if it's a self-funded plan, the HR person can be really key and getting an override on those. Because if it's, if it's the the employer is the one deciding those things on uh, what's covered and what's not, you know, they're the ultimate decision maker. So going to HR is alerting them that this plan isn't working for all the members and getting them to do those overrides. It's really key. Mm -hmm. But if it's um, a plan, that's kind of a, a generalized plan that, you know, like a marketplace plan or something that is um, not self-funded, then you're kind of a little bit more restricted in what HR can do for you. Okay. All right. 
Um, I, I will tell you uh, just the quickest story. I think I've told it here bef- uh, before, but it fits here. Uh, when Arden was really little, she had a bunch of cavities on her baby teeth. And I'm going to guess they were probably from juice or something like that from having diabetes. And the doctor, you know, who we took her to to fix them, he said, look, she's got to be out for this. And this was before Dexcom. This was, you know, before I don't even think Arden had a pump back then. And he was like, I'm not putting this kid asleep in my office and having you stand next to her testing her blood sugar the whole time. Like it all it just doesn't seem like something I want to be involved in. I want to do this in a hospital setting where we can have her. Um, we can put her out, there'll be an anesthesiologist, and um, somebody can track her blood sugar kind of in real time. And uh, we'll have her hooked up to dextrose, this whole thing. And we're like, uh, okay, like, I mean, we don't know, you know, Sam, You're like, whatever. So we um, we find out that's going to cost like $15,000. I was going to say, it's it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and my wife's like, we'll just pay it. I'm like, who is we? And where do you think we're getting $15,000 from? Like, I was like, wait, what? Like, you know, so... I really just kind of kept pouring into it. And then one day I realized, um, I don't remember how I figured it out, but something you mentioned earlier, my wife worked for a big company. And so I contacted them. I explained the whole situation and they said, oh, we're, we're self-insured. And I was like, what, 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 you know, explain that. What does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. Explain (laughs) that to me more. So let me, let me tell you what I think self-insured means, Sam. And if you tell me if I'm wrong, but basically these really big companies use health insurance companies to facilitate the insurance. And then once a year or once every six months or how often they've agreed to it, they just write a big check to the insurance company to pay for what that has been covered. So they sit down in the beginning and they create a formulary. They say, here are the things we'll cover. And here are the things we won't cover. And if you need something that's on the we'll cover it list, then your insurance company says yes to it. You get to go do it. And then every few months, your company writes a big check to cover that for you and all of your other, um, you know, all the other people that work there. Um, is that about what self-insured means? That is exactly it. Okay. Yes. And <laughs> you <so> nailed it. <laughs> my wife's company just went, oh, we'll pay for that. Perfect. And that was it. And then they called the insurance company and said, hey, say okay to that. And then it was over. It was, Man, it was that's a, that's what I mean about quality HR. <laughs> don't discount not, either. The not everybody to, is going to do that. Yeah. Also, don't <laughs> discount the talking to me on the phone. It's not a big bunch of fun, Sam. Just so you know. Yeah. No. <laughs> I wasn't. I can only imagine. Yeah. It's probably about like talking for them to talk to me. Um, I've definitely had my share of heated conversations with insurance companies. Yeah. I. You know. I, I'll bleep this out. But uh, back in the day, I was not above yelling during a phone call with an insurance company. <laughs> well, you know, kind of a, a, not a little warning, but, you know, one thing that I do find frustrating is, you know, you've got also things like clearing houses or, you know, those facilitators, for instance. So for instance, for us, we have a company called CareCentrics who runs all of our DME through uh, Florida Blue, which is uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Florida. And when I get on the phone, they're insisting that our DME is subject to the deductible. Well, the plan that we have on Florida Blue is a $0 copay coinsurance deductible. Um, it's like the one excluded category that isn't applicable to deductible, which is why I love this plan. We've been on it for five years straight. I am very intimately familiar with how this plan works. And she was yelling at me, telling me this will be subject to the deductible deductible. And I just got so frustrated because how many other people would hear this and be on a new plan like this and just take her word for it that, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to come out of pocket thousands of dollars for this um, product now when I thought my plan covered it, but Mm. this lady is telling me. So, you know, if you're in a disagreement with somebody and they're giving you this information that just does not jive with what you thought the plan was doing, go back to your broker and have the broker take a look at it and explain everything because ultimately, you know, they're going to be the one who knows how to read that insurance plan the best versus like you said, there's somebody on the other line with the manual three, three ring binder, you know, yeah. or, you know, they're staring at a screen and they don't necessarily understand how that applies specifically to the product that you're requesting. Yeah. Well, you, first of all, you're going to be surprised a lot during this process, how the person you're talking to you're going to think they understand what you're talking about and they don't like the, even like uh, the difference between a, 
a transmitter and a sensor for like Dexcom G6 as an example. That yeah. they're like they're like, oh, well, we see we already sent you six of those. You only you're not supposed to get them. I'm like, no, those are the sensors. We are supposed to get them. I wouldn't get six transmitters. Transmitter. Oh, and they go back and they're looking at codes. They don't even know. They don't know what mm-hmm. an insulin pump is. They don't know why you need it. You can explain to them all you want how dire it is and everything. They're just people doing a job. They don't they don't know. I think your your best bet is to learn how to very politely say, I appreciate everything you've done for me. I don't think we're going to come to a resolution. I'd like to speak with your supervisor, please. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> don't be afraid to ask for a supervisor because there are generally, you know, different levels and, you know, they might accidentally disconnect the call. You know, that's happened to me a couple of times. <laughs> Suddenly the call drops miraculously, you know, but, um, but, you know, don't be afraid to call back. I know that, you know, it, it is, not the funnest thing in the world, but you know, you've got to remember you're the advocate for yourself or your, your child. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, I, I wish I had a magic answer that, you know, got around all of the difference when we <laughs> insurance were, when we <laughs> were, but there's no uh, magic answer. The answer is persevere. Yeah. Keep your head, be well-informed, understand that what you're asking for, especially if it's covered is reasonable and that you there is a person who will answer in the affirmative. You have to get to them. And I would also say, just remember that everything is recorded. So, you know, you don't want to give too much information of um, kind of the the sob story part of it, where it seems like you just want this as a, uh, I would say, uh, there's a term I'm looking for, convenience device. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of times insurance companies will put those in their notes that this person is just looking for a pump upgrade or they're looking for just something that makes it seem like you are just asking for it because it's fancy or it's nice. And that really that's not true for most of us, but they'll use that for a little bit and you have to appeal it and just becomes a process. So, you know, just kind of, I always tell people stick with the medical reasons um, because, if it is recorded, they can sometimes take those things and hold it against you. So, yeah, they're swatting flies. They they know you're eventually going to land on the countertop and make everything dirty, filthy. But they're just going to swing and swing and swing and swing as long as they can to keep you from getting what you want, so they they don't have to pay for it. <laughs> it's exactly. It's such a sad thing to think, but it's cheaper to pay a person to sit on the phone and bat you away than it is to pay for your insulin pump. And then yeah. the the irony is, is once they pay for it, it's all good. It's never a problem again. It's just always like, except, you know, at the end of the year when, when it's time to, uh, you know, uh, why, why does that happen? This, this question's not on here, Sam. I'm going to ask a question. Why has my daughter been using Omnipod for a bazillion years? And every year when the calendar flips over, we all act like we don't know what we're talking about again. <laughs> I think that's true. Uh, A, because you never know what your insurance is going to do. Uh, you know, there's, I, I, and, and I say this to save people money as well. You always want to look every single year at what your plan has changes for, including the formulary, especially as Omnipod is moving to formulary. Um, those Dexcom, every year those can change. So, you know, it's it's okay to have like a little bit of weird, weary kind of, let me see what this is doing phase because it is potentially something that would cost you money if you're not on top of it and things were to change and you didn't pay attention and select something that was better for your situation while it was still open enrollment. Because once that open enrollment closes, you're kind of, um, you're better at at, at all the curse words on here, but you know, you're, you're you're screwed. (laughs) It it just, you know, you're, you're, waiting for a special reason to get off of that plan um, and onto a different plan at that point. And so, you know, it's really important during open enrollment, which it is right now, you know, with this November 1st, some states have open enrollment starting early or companies have it um, starting early to really like analyze all this stuff and realize this is my plan for the next year. Mm-hmm. Um, this is my deductible for the next year. If this is my deductible and I end up in the hospital, am I putting away money every year for those reserves to be able to afford this. 
So, um, you know, I know you're saying every year you kind of like forget that you're on Omnipod and stuff, but it, it kind of is, you know, like starting a brand new year. Yeah. <laughs> over it, it's one of the most adult things that I do is that conversation where my wife and I sit down and decide if we're on the right insurance plan for the next year. How much do we want to <clears throat> how much deductible do we want to have um, Oh, the health care spending account, which I hate. Mm-hmm. I hate it because I always forget to use it. And like then pre-tax dollars. <laughs> oh my God, Sam, do you think people know? So if, if your company offers you a healthcare spending account, um, you may be able to pick an amount, a thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars a year, and and have your money diverted into this account so that when you buy things at the pharmacy, for example, that are covered, you can pay for them with pre-tax money, money that has not been taxed yet, which is lovely. I mean, I don't know what it really saves you in the grand scheme of things. I mean, if you did $2,000 and your tax rate was at 25%, I guess it saved you 25% of $2,000, which is great, you know. But for me, I go to the damn store, I pick up the thing, I hand them the card, I pay for it, and then I think five seconds later, God damn it, I didn't use the healthcare spending account card. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but now the pharmacies, at least brick and mortar pharmacies, even online, I guess, it is easier because you can give them the card and say, put this on file and pay for my stuff with this. Yeah. And so that and don't has- Don't forget to save the receipts as well. And you can try to um, go back to them and say, you know, this was a qualified expenditure. Yes. And see if you can get that applied as well. Well, so. Sam, now you're getting a look into my psyche because I really don't want to do that. <laughs> and yeah. and also we get into an interesting thing where I kind of handle the bills at my house, but the insurance comes through my wife. So when we got into a situation like that, I was suddenly dragging her into something she didn't really get involved in very much. So I'm like, hey, I need you to figure out how to like submit this. And it, you know what I mean? And what, what's your online access for your health insurance portal? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And she's like, I'll take care of it. I don't want you to know my codes. And I was like, nah, I understand. I don't trust you either. No, I'm just kidding. Right. But, but no, but she would turn into like, she, she, she would then get involved. It was frustrating for her. What we learned to do, because I kept forgetting to use it, $25 here and $20 here and everything, is we would just wait for like one big expense, you know, just a dental cost or something like that. And then we would submit that cost to the healthcare spending to take the money out in kind of one big chunk. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense or not. Um, yeah, every, everybody does it differently. Yeah, <laughs> we'll just trust me. I just, I, every year I say to my wife, I'm like, don't put money in that. She's like, it saves us money. I'm like, I hate it. <laughs> so, yes. but it is a great idea, honestly. It's just, it, again, it's something that seems to me like it's, it can be made to be more difficult than necessary. And I think that really is why this part of it sucks so much. It's the intersection of health and sanity and money. And you're just like, why do I have to deal with this? Like, why? Like, the kid already has diabetes. I already have diabetes. I got to jump through these hoops now to get medication, to get a to to get a device. Like, it it sucks. And and you know, it's reflected here in what people said. Uh, this this person says navigating insurance could honestly be a whole podcast by itself. Yeah, but but that but that was the, like she doesn't just mean an episode of this podcast. She means a there could be a podcast somewhere that just talks about this with nothing else. She said it was so confusing to me at first. Everyone's insurance is different. We've had four different insurances in the four and a half years since my son was diagnosed. I still double and triple check calling insurance, make sure I understand what's covered and how much. I didn't even have any idea what DME was and how it was processed differently than prescriptions. Um, And I thought it was ridiculous, this person says, that we had to wait a month before getting a Dexcom. But then another person says, too, hey, let people know, insurance won't pay for a CGM until somebody sees the endocrinologist. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. But, But that could be specific to their state as well, right? Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what they're alluding to. I mean, obviously, you do need a prescription for that item. And most of the time, it is going to be the endo. But you know, there's definitely plenty of family practitioners, you know, especially on the type two side who are able to prescribe that and insurance will cover it. So um, I'm not entirely sure what they're meaning by that. But Mm. uh, I'm sorry, official diagnosis might be the key. Maybe their insurance was saying, 
you know, you haven't had the the seed peptide testing or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of those restrictions have kind of modified in recent years. So hopefully, whatever that person was dealing with it with their insurance has, you know, had some policy changes that make it a little easier access. That's very worth mentioning, too, is that this process has, I mean, Arden's had diabetes since she was two, and she's 18. This process has gotten better every year, incrementally. Easier. Yes. You know, like, I like, mean, years, even just, you know, the last time I was on, uh, it was, you know, kids under seven couldn't get a CGM right. um, without a fight. So, you know, that's definitely come a long way because, you know, studies evolve and, you know, the manufacturers go after younger and younger targets to try to make sure that they're not having to go off label and, you know, have those battles for those patients. Um, so it's definitely come a long way. Obviously, it's not perfect because insurances don't want to pay if they don't have to, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This person said it was really difficult uh, because we wanted a pump and a CGM, but we had to wait because insurance made us wait. Um, yeah. So on that, so the, the, uh, Dexcom for the first month, generally what they're saying is um, there's like a 30-day log some insurances will want of uh, blood sugars. Uh, those, you know, if if that's going on, I would just ask the doctor to advocate for, especially if it's a younger patient who, you know, just does not understand that they have diabetes and what a low is and how to feel that and tell an adult. You know, there's definitely a lot of kids who leave the hospitals with CGMs. Mm-hmm. Um, some doctors are very much like, no, this is what the insurance says. So that's what we're going to abide by. So, you know, sometimes it's not even the insurance company necessarily blocking it. Sometimes it's also the doctors who aren't as gung ho about, you know, kind of getting somebody on a Dexcom that quickly because they want to make sure that somebody knows how to properly check their blood or that they understand what the lows are feeling. Um, or they want you to go MDI for a while um, in order to, you know, if your pump were to break down, know how to treat yourself. Um, and they want you to go ahead and wait six months. So um, if it's a six month waiting period on a pump, that's a, a common one. And that's definitely something that is completely appealable, um, especially with younger children. It's it's kind of a no brainer, you know, for, for a young child to be on a pump in my my opinion, because there's the users who are grazing, they're snacking, you know, you want to have that control over it. Um, And your choices basically become no insulin, 0.5, 1.0, you don't have those little tweaks for that blood volume, like there are. So, you know, when you lay that out for an insurance company, you're talking about blood volume and, um, you know, the carbohydrates and, you know, how, how fast it spikes the blood or how quickly it impacts the blood sugar. Um, having those micro doses, it really kind of becomes a scientific equation for those insurance companies to say, okay, why aren't we covering this? Because this is difficult for this user. Um, so it, like I said, it goes back to what is the medical nature and how do I get that past the insurance company to make it a no brainer for them or to make it something where there's something called bad faith in insurance as well. So they have to, in good faith, be giving coverage for these things. And if they're denying things just to deny them and there's no reason to deny them, then they're um, in bad faith and they actually could be subject to problems with the state's attorney general. So, um, you know, they've got to kind of go for that line of fiscal responsibility versus not getting in trouble with their attorney general. Mm, Interesting. Well, let me read uh, what this person here said. Uh, please, at first they said they were insurance, like long, like uh, them, just because a doctor prescribes something, please don't think that that means that it's preferred item on your formulary and that a lot of times high pharmacy costs are from the wrong item being filled versus what you could have saved on. You you talked Absolutely. about this. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yes. You talked about this earlier. You didn't say it that way, though. Um, you know, your prescription's written for Humalog. Um, but it's not covered by your insurance. So Novolog would have been cheaper, but you're like, no, I want Humalog. You might get it. Or my doctor prescribed this. This is what I need. (laughs) And that's tough because in the very beginning, you have no way of knowing. Like, that's the other thing we're not talking about here is that the people listening to this are going to be newer diagnosed. They're not going to know what they're doing. And they're going to really think that. Like, I don't know, the guy said Novolog. Like, now you're trying to give me a Pedra, which I don't think would happen because nobody covers a Pedra, but, you know, vice versa. Um, and so it's um, it really is uh, – there's a there's a settling in period. 
And you do need experience with this, just like with diabetes. You will actually get better at this. You'll notice that there, you'll look back one day and think, oh, I was beating my head against that wall for absolutely no reason whatsoever. And yeah. And, and the other thing too, is just, you know, for those who are newly diagnosed, just realize there are a lot of programs out there, especially insurance uh, or sorry, insulin based ones for copay cards. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people just, you know, kind of forget that they're available or they don't realize that it applies to their insulin or they think that, oh, I make too much money. Um, I'm not going to qualify for those, but they really have had kind of a kick in the butt recently with um, all of the investigations with the Senate committees in order to facilitate more affordable insulin. So, you know, you've got the Novo Nordisk, you've got the Lilly drug cards, um, there's, you know, the NovoCare, there's a $99 insulin program. Lily has a $35 a month insulin value program. Um, Sanofi also just recently came out with a $35 a month um, insulin program. So, you know, investigate those, especially if you're struggling to in afford your in insulin, because obviously that's a life-saving medication that you absolutely need. Um, and, you know, there's also uh, a 340B program. And I hate to bring it up because it's government and it's uh, very political in nature. So sometimes it does better at helping than others. But if you are somebody who has no insurance and you can't afford um, to even really see the doctor, there's community health centers that are on a sliding scale and you can get a prescription from them and go fill your prescription at a 340B pharmacy. And they will take into account how much you can afford. And you know it can be relatively, um, cheap. However, I will say, depending on how many vials you need, it may or may not be cheaper than say one of these drug copay cards, but at least the community health center doctor, you know, should have been less expensive than going to see an endo, you know, your regular endo, you know, as a self-pay patient for hundreds of dollars. So oh, oh I just Googled 340B pharmacy and I didn't yes. know anything about that. That's interesting. Yes, it's kind of, it's it's not just for insulin, it's for, you know, a lot of different uh, medications are included. It's just that insulin manufacturers, by doing these copay cards, have kind of been pushing back a little bit. And that's why I say I hesitate um, to, to just say, hey, this is a solution for everybody, because, you know, sometimes they don't want to necessarily give those discounts out. Um, and it's different per state. There's a lot of hidden information on exactly what the costs are uh, for the pharmacy products. But, um, you know, if you are just in need, definitely look at that for your state. Yeah. Also, Walmart was on here last year because they're selling Novolog. It's kind of, it's rebranded. It's just, it's yes. called, it's called rely on Novolog, but it's just, trust me, I went through the whole thing. It's Novolog. So um, the problem is, is that talking about it, brings up memories for people of older outdated insulins that that are available at Walmart as well and sometimes people think you're you're talking about that but I'm not talking about that I'm talking about Novolog is available at Walmart as yes. now I have uh, have you seen the recent pricing on the Novolog at Walmart has and the reason changed? I bring this up is it's not always the best deal because of these copay cards. So say, you know, it's $80 to go get a vial of this generic uh, Novolog at Walmart through the Reliant. And the, you know, you need two vials for that month. Well, the Novo program is $99 for up to three vials. So, you know what I mean? You're getting that second vial for $19 rather than $80. So we'd really want to look at the company's... Um, yeah, just do, first. do, do the math. You know, I always say like, what is your time worth? You know, when you're doing these spreadsheets to look up different plans and, you know, the insulin costs, the affordability resources that are out there, you know, is it worth, you know, a couple hours out of your year to figure this out and save hundreds or thousands of dollars? You know, for me, I, I'm, I feel like I'm worth it. You know? <laughs> I'm way cheaper than that. You know, <laughs> Sounds like I would do things. You have no idea for like 50 bucks. So yeah, no, I, I, you know, and it goes to this last comment I have from this person here. It says as much as all this sucks, anticipate that expenses are coming. My budget totally changed and I spend a lot more on medical costs now, even though I have insurance. And I think that's just important to remember that I mean, I can't tell you, I don't know what your insurance plan is or what it covers or anything, but I mean, I think I said it recently on here, 
to cover a family of four, so the amount of money that comes out of my wife's check every month to cover a family of four, plus the amount of money that we spend on diabetes supplies and co-pays and things like that. I mean, I guessed earlier, we might spend $7,000 a year, maybe. Like, you don't think of it that way because most of it comes out of your check. You just don't see it that way. But it's the truth. You know, about that much of our income goes to covering this every year, seven, dollars $8,000. And that's if nobody gets sick. Yes. Yeah. And I want to bring up something when you, when you talk about this, and this is really important for those people who are especially just starting out on this uh, insurance journey is when I say look at different things on um, insurances every single year, I also mean, look, if you're on a HR plan, you know, you've got a company health insurance plan and say your child has type one diabetes, it's okay to split off that child's onto a different plan that say on the marketplace or off marketplace that's not on your company plan. There are things called child only policies that you could get great coverage for them or a smaller deductible or you know it has the items that you're looking for or the network that you're looking for that's not on necessarily your company insurance. My husband is on the, his policy for work and we absolutely have our own policies outside of him. Keep in mind, subsidies do not apply for this. So it is, you know, um, there's a difference in premiums. However, we're saving so much on the deductible side versus what his company plan is that it, it absolutely is a no brainer for us to go off of his company insurance and get our own policies. So um, look at those child only policies because there's actually plans like Cigna has in a lot of states, the thing called Cigna Enhanced Diabetes Care Plan that actually has $0 payments for preferred insulins, equipment, pumps, CGMs. So imagine, you know, even if you pay $100 more per month, um, you know, say $1,200 per year on that premium for that child, but it's not subject to a deductible and say, you know, the company plan is a $3,000 deductible, you're automatically saving $1,800 right there just hmm. by switching that person over. Oh, so, you yeah. know, really look at those different things. Be or creative. a lot of states have um, Medicare um, type expansion programs, um, CHIP programs where there'll be, you know, say about $230, $240, but it'll be $0 or $5 prescriptions. So you're just kind of like locked into the Medicaid network, but it's a self-pay, like full pay program. Um, and most states have some variation of that. And that can be a lot cheaper than, you know, paying that premium, but still being subjected on a, a company plan or even mm -hmm. a marketplace plan to those deductibles. So wow. there's a lot of different affordable insurances. So when I see somebody saying like, oh, you know, my costs have like drastically gone up, I'm saying there's ways to mitigate, you know, you just might have to play it differently and not have that four person insurance. It might be just the subscriber on their own company plan. And then other people are on different plans that make more sense for them. Mm -hmm. And then Medicaid, Medicaid, Medicare, Medicare, right? Medicaid is generally going to be the majority of people um, under 65. Mm -hmm. And then over, you know, in the Medicare, those are the the senior citizens, so to speak, uh, are on Medicare. Medicare has its own, <laughs> that, that's its own topic, uh, Medicare. Uh, but Medicaid is generally for people who uh, just do not make a lot of money, especially children. And they really want to make sure that children have some kind of insurance. So what they'll do is if you make X amount of money, say, you know, it's a percentage of the, the poverty level. Um, if you make that amount or within like 200%, you know, you'll pay $0 to $80 a month for your, that kid's insurance. And if you make more than that, then you'll be full pay, which is about 240, depending on the state. Is there insurance for anyone? Like is, are there, if you don't have a job, for example, you have no income whatsoever, is there insurance you can get through the government? You can try through Medicaid if you're just making zero dollars. Um, every that's where it gets a little tricky because every state has different rules and what they expanded upon. So it's hard to give a blanket yes. It's definitely a blanket look look up your state's requirements. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, sometimes people feel like um, they just can't afford anything, and that's when 
I keep going back, you know, look at those 340B programs, just make sure you're getting that at the very least insulin, because nobody should be going without insulin. And, um, you know, even if it's asking a friend for $20 to go get, you know, a month and a half's worth of insulin from a 340B program, then that's what you have to do. But, um, yeah, well, it sucks. I, yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because you, you have this conversation about like, what do people with insurance do? It's so hard. You have to be on the phone with people and bug them about stuff. And then you realize that there are far, um, far many people who, who just don't have insurance or cash or any way to get to their, their supplies at all. So exactly. Yeah, and so, you know, that's, it's, it's heartbreaking, but you know, it just goes into what advocacy is really something that is needed, you know, with these yeah, insulin caps. I'm, I'm very much for them. Um, I know there's a whole conversation that could be had about politics with insulin yeah. <laughs> these days, but um, just know, even if something hasn't passed, you know, there's always ways to get insulin for cheaper. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? That everybody thought, oh, we got our politicians to talk about insulin pricing. It's going to get taken care of. And it almost feels like instead it just turned into a fun thing for them to talk about around election time. Yes. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's definitely one of those mouthpieces where everybody wants to say the right things. And then it comes down to actually doing something about it and then nothing gets done. So that's a little frustrating, but um, yeah, I would say this is a really good topic. I would say not just for people with newly diagnosed um, situations, but for anybody, you know, who's looking to have more affordable healthcare, you know, I would say it's full beginning Scott, but I think, you know, try to, try to get other people listening because I get this question from people who've been, you know, having diabetes for years and they just are so fed up with how much it costs. And, hmm. uh, you know, there's definitely ways to save money and keep you from having to give up. I, well, listen, Sam, I've said it before. I'll say it again. You should be doing this for a living. Although I, <laughs> I don't know how much anybody that that was the problem is that who's going to a person who's trying to save money can't afford to pay a person to do something for them to save money. It's um, but there's, there's something here. Like this is something that like, even as you're explaining everything and going over it, I think this is wonderful information for people to have, but I don't know how reasonable it is to expect that they're going to absorb it and understand it the way you do and then put it into practice. And it would be lovely if, if they could go somewhere and um, just say, hey, help me with this. Uh, you can have a percentage of what I save. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, there's got to be a way to, like, make this a mass um, mass market appeal, like – you know, I know there's not, I know it's, Sam's like, leave me alone. I have a job. I'm I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think my, I, I'm actually my husband's assistant, so I'm not sure he would love for me to do this separately <laughs> from him, but. Well, I, 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 you know, back when you first came on the podcast, like I actually contacted one of the companies I had a relationship with and I was like, why don't you hire Sam and put her in charge of helping people get their coverage set up? I was like, you have a problem. Like you have this, the, you have this thing you're trying to sell to people. One of the impediments you have selling it to them is that their insurance is a blockade. What if you help them get through their insurance? And I don't know if anybody ever took me seriously or not, but I yeah, still. I actually, before I came on the podcast, I was actually in talks with um, a top manufacturer about that very subject, but unfortunately, it was not a work from home, and I did not want to relocate across the country. Well, so. I'm saying it again because I know they're listening. It would take you a small department of people. And uh, it would not be a tough process. Somebody could contact you. You would already know they're having trouble because they're working through your customer service people. They could be rerouted to this department, which would look at their situation, assess it, and show them what to do to get it taken care of. It and makes honestly, sense. Scott, you know, some of the manufacturers, there's, uh, there's honestly some really, really good reps out there. So I don't want to discount and say that, you know, the manufacturers don't have reps who are already doing this kind of stuff. Um, you know, I've seen some really strong appeal letters, some, you know, really unique ways of, of tackling these issues mm -hmm. from the reps and even, you know, taught me something. So, um, you know, it's not to say that, you know, there's me and me alone in this country doing no, anything no. like this, yeah. but, um, no, I realize you know, I that, but if, you, yeah. but if I get a bad rep, not a bad rep, <laughs> what if I get, <laughs> what if I get a new rep and they just mm -hmm. don't know? So now it's luck of the draw. I'm paying $200 more because I live in this county. And if I live in that county, then I'd have this rep and they'd know how to file. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it just, it needs yeah. to be centralized in my, in my imagination. But that is not a problem for me to fix. It's just a problem for me to point out. 
So I've done it. No problem. <laughs> um, Sam, I cannot thank you enough for doing this. You are the last episode of the Bold Beginning series. Oh, wow. Thank you. You're welcome. And it was really a big deal for me to do this for me. And on, on late notice, too, because Jenny and I sat down to do this the other day. And I was like, this is wrong. Like, I, I, <laughs> like Jenny and I shouldn't be doing this. Like, Sam should be doing this. So... Well, it's funny. We had talked about doing something like this next summer and um, it's October just for reference on when we're recording. And uh, so I got the the notice. I'm like, oh no, <laughs> I need to get prepared. And then I realized, wait a second, I know all of this. So yeah. Yeah, not, there's nothing I'm to not prepare for. You're, you're it. <laughs> um, I apologize to you uh, in public right now for all the times that I tag you and other people's problems on Facebook. Oh no. And it's fine, honestly. And if other people in the, the Facebook groups want to tag me, if they notice something I'm not seeing, um, you know, feel free to tag me. I, I know Nico sometimes does as well, but um, that's not a problem. I'm always happy. As long as I see the tag, that's usually the only problem, problem is sometimes it gets a little yeah. wonky on Facebook. But Facebook is now giving my giving me my tags a week after they are given. Like somebody tags yeah. me in something, I, about a week later, I get it. So my notification sometimes, you know, it'll, it'll come up way later or I just, I won't see it. And I just happen to be scrolling and I'll see myself tag. And I'm like, wait a second, <laughs> I didn't see this notification. <laughs> All right. Well, Sam, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that G-V-O-K-E-G-L-U-C-A-G-O-N dot com forward slash juice box. I'd also like to thank InPen from Medtronic Diabetes and remind you to go to InPenToday.com to learn more about it and to get started. And of course, thanks so much to Sam for coming on and pinch hitting for Jenny here in the Bold Beginnings series. I'm pretty sure there's going to be more Bold Beginnings coming, but, yeah, you know, I'm not sure. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juice Box Podcast. Okay, I'm sick, so I'm going to regret this, but let me list all the Bold Beginnings episodes for you. 698, Defining Bold Beginnings, 702, Honeymooning, 706, Adult Diagnosis, 711 Terminology Part 1, 711, uh, I just said that, 712 Terminology Part 2. Keep in mind that Bold Beginnings was a huge collection of statements and um, input from people who answered the question, what do you wish you knew at the beginning of your type 1 diabetes diagnosis? So we took all of this feedback. It was literally like 80 pages of feedback and put it into categories, and that's what drove the Bold Beginning series. So anyway, 711 and 712 is Terminology Part 1 and 2, 715, Fear of Insulin, 719, the 1515 Rule, 723, Long-Acting Insulin, 727, Target Range, 731, Food Choices, 735, Pre-Bolus, 739, Carbs, 743, Stacking, 747, Flexibility, 751 school, episode 755 was exercise, episode 759 was guilt, fears, hope, and expectations, episode 763, community, episode 772, journaling, 776, technology and medical supplies, episode 780, treating low blood glucose, this is episode 784, insurance, and there might be more, but I mean, that's a lot, so... If you can't find them in your podcast player, look for them on the private Facebook group in the feature tab or at juiceboxpodcast.com. But if you just search Bold Beginnings Juicebox in any of your audio players, they should pop right up. Thank you so much again for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.